Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the AMA podcast. My name is Matt Ruddick, your host as always. Thank you so much for downloading this week's episode. We've got a cool show lined up for you today. I hope everybody's having a wonderful Monday. Or maybe you're listening on a Tuesday. I hope you're having a wonderful Tuesday. Or Wednesday or whatever day you're listening. I guess it's the beauty of podcasts. You can listen on any day you want. Well, I hope you're having a great day. Uh, you know, we talked last week. We're coming up on a, a milestone episode of the podcast. Next week is our 50th episode of the show. And uh, it's because of listeners like you uh, who continue to come back every single week and listen to the show that uh, keeps the show going. So we, I want to thank you personally uh, for uh, sticking around and sticking with us. Uh, this has been a really really fun time putting this show together. But we talked a little bit about what I want to do next week. So next week, again, our 50th episode, I want to do a little, little Q&A show. So what I want you guys to do, this is going to require a little bit of participation on your part, is to send me your questions. Send me, you know, you want to ask me a question. It could be any question you want. Send it my way. Uh, to the email address podcast at modelaircraft.org. Uh, put the subject line question for Matt. And uh, I'll, you know, that'll help me sort through them a little easier. And uh, I'm going to try to get through as many of those questions on the show next week as I can. So send me whatever question you have. It doesn't matter. It can, you know, pertain to uh, air modeling. It can pertain to, you know, any, anything you want. Uh, as long as it's family friendly, that's all that matters to me. So send those questions my way, and again, I'll try to answer as many of those on the show as possible. I think it's going to be a, a good time, and I'm looking forward to it. I've already got a few that have come through, so you know, keep keep them coming. Uh, but hey, that's next week. Let's let's talk about this week right now. Uh, so this week we've got an interview that we did with AMA fellow and aviation historian Dr. Gary Fogel back in 2015 that aired in part on AMA Air. Now, this is the extended, uh, unedited interview, so if you have already seen that interview, this is going to be a little bit uh, a little bit different. Uh, Chad Boudreaux sat down with Dr. Fogel to talk about how he used modeling in the classroom in his aerospace engineering course at San Diego State University, as well as his involvement in getting the famous Torrey Pines glider port named a National Aeromodeling Historic Site. Um, if you're not familiar with Torrey Pines, uh, it is one of the most gorgeous slope-soaring venues in the country. It is just absolutely amazing. And he was instrumental in getting uh, that site named a National Aeromodeling Historic Site. So he's going to talk all about that in this interview. I think you guys are going to enjoy it uh, very much. So stick around. I'm going to pass the baton over to Chad Bedreau and Dr. Gary Fogel. Take it away, guys. Hi, my name is Chad Budrow. I'm here at the Academy of Model Aeronautics, and with me, I have Dr. Gary Fogel. Thank you for coming here. Not a problem, Chad. Happy Great. to be here. Thanks. Great. Yeah. Well, uh, you're here at the IAC, the yeah. AMA headquarters. First question is, have you had any stick time yet? I haven't yet, no. I'm hoping okay. to get some time on a glider later on. We'll see. Well, we have we'll some see. clips, those. We yeah. have some. I don't think we have anything huge, but yeah, hey, yeah, get yeah. out there and fly I hope, so, so. I hope to get some time. It's a nice I, day out. Yeah. I, I got to be honest. We're interviewing you today, and on one hand, you're kind of an interviewer's dream where 
not only personally you have a lot of great achievements, but in the world of aero modeling, you're a historian, you're an author, uh, you helped with Rich Hansen and your father mm. identify the first uh, AMA landmark, flying site landmark, you're an AMA fellow, you're involved in your club as president, uh, you helped with government relations. It's, there's so many topics, mm. and that's what makes it hard. What yeah. do we talk about? Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Take I, your pick. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm gonna lean towards education okay. today. Okay. Just because you're doing some really exciting stuff uh, in the classroom, and, and I wanna kinda go with that angle. Yeah. Um, but first, let's get to know you a little more. Sure. Uh, you fly. I do. I fly uh, uh, RC and free flight. Started out with free flight when I was four years old. Excellent. Uh, Dad got me into model aviation very early on chuck gliders and free flight, uh, uh, rubber band launch. Sure. Yeah. Got into rubber band powered free flight. Got into model rockets. Did a oh, lot really? of model rockets. Okay. I didn't know. Yeah, okay. Model rocket. A lot of loved model rockets. Big nice. SDs fan. And then uh, started flying RC at Torrey Pines when I was about seven. Soloed at nine. Nice. Uh, and have done it ever since. And nice. Yes, love, love everything RC. Yeah. I've not been to Torrey Pines. I've been to your neck of the woods, yeah. but I've not, yeah. I've not been to the cliffs. And I, I know some coworkers who have, and they just say go. it's a beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It has its own challenges with all the traffic and right. the rules and stuff. There's all sorts of sites, specific things you need to know. But, Good. but other than that, it's a great place. Now, yeah. your father and you fly, your daughter. Yeah. Tell us about your daughter. Uh, my daughter is uh, 13 years old now. Great. Uh, but she's been flying since she was about 10. That uh, loves her radian, loves flying her radian, and sets some national model aviation records for junior category. Good, and, congrats, uh, good. Has a, has a lot of fun. Well, yeah, that yeah. gets her excited too. Absolutely, and, yeah, you know, absolutely. get her into aviation. She's in the nope. She's in the books now. Absolutely. Hey, absolutely. on this record, absolutely, yeah. Well, so I understand you. You were a guest lecturer at San Diego State University, and yeah. At some point, they knocked on your door and said, hey, why don't you yeah. do this on a more permanent basis? Yeah, so they have a, San Diego State University has a, an introductory program for aerospace, they have a great aerospace department. Okay. And uh, they needed a instructor to train incoming students, freshman students, to really understand is aerospace their career or not? And how to make right. that decision early in the process. Right. Because there's no sense wasting two years of your life to realize and it's not your This is not for path. me. <laughs> so it's a broad introduction to aerospace. Um, hands-on hopefully, and then by the end, either they're, they're making their decision. Right. The chair of the department had been teaching that for a long time, it was a little bit burnout on that. Um, they wanted to find a modeler in the community nice. that also was a, a lecturer um, to come inspire them to come into aviation, rather than just tell them about it, try to actually inspire them to become aerospace scientists rather than um, make the decision one or the other. So they found me uh, through model airplane circles in San Diego nice. and asked if I would be an adjunct faculty to teach that. I'm happy to do that. And I've been doing that two years now. I'll be doing it my third time in fall. And at the AMA, that's always exciting because we love, you know, we have this very strong education department. Mm. And we work with STEM and we have grants from Alcoa. And the mantra of education through aviation is, is something we're very passionate right. about. Absolutely. And that's something you're incorporating. Absolutely. I, we were talking earlier and you, you made a funny comment that uh, you agreed to sign on only if you could bring models Absolutely. into the classroom. So, so every, tell me so why. Every, so I think it's, well, that's the way I learned how to do modeling. And I've right. learned all of my aero modeling from all of my experience with aerospace through aero models. I'm, I'm not trained in aerospace. I'm trained as a biologist, yet I'm teaching an aerospace class, which <laughs> right, is okay. different. But uh, it was because of models that I learned all about uh, Bernoulli's effect, Newton's laws, so it's an airfoil, what's drag. You, you learn those things in order to become good at and right. proficient at flying. And those are the things you can impart to, to new students. You don't have to go all the way to calculus, but you can still do Newton's laws and, and, and show how they have an effect. So you're bringing in a model to the classroom. Every, every, what? every. Yeah. What type of models are you bringing in? Uh, everything from a night vapor 
Oh yeah, uh, little, okay. little small stuff, yeah. which I kind of fly around the class every now and then and get the shut off the lights. On. Absolutely. <laughs> no, no, I haven't done that yet. That, <laughs> I should try that. I should try that <laughs> next time. Um, to very large uh, five meter uh, RC sort nice. uh, of course. Uh, anything in between. And every time I bring in a model, every every class, it's here's a new model. Here's what the purpose of this model is. What it's intended to do. Why did they make these particular design choices? Nice. And why is it shaped this way? And why does it have long wings? Or why does it have winglets? Or why does it have short wings and stubby and it flies fast? What, what are the design choices that were made wow. about okay. that? And then, then that's this week's class is about what about those design choices are. Yeah. And then they come, can check it out later and play with the controls and do whatever they want. Really? Yeah. Great. Absolutely. So do you, um, of course, I'm sure you have the tests and the lectures and the, we do. all that fun we stuff, do. too. We you know, do. I, I, so. I did the adjunct myself, and oh, it's, it's okay. a lot of prep. Yeah. A lot of people aren't aware of a lot yeah, of the prep. Yeah. It's, a lot of so. it's a lot of work. So yeah, the students do a midterm and a, and a final exam, just like any other class. Sure. They have tests and, and uh, pretty, pretty basic stuff. Not, not too hard, because it's first year. I don't want to stress them out too much. Right. Um, but then uh, the course is hands-on. So they have to break into teams of three or four students. There's 100 okay. students okay. in the class. So it's a big class to start with. Break into teams of three to four people, and then uh, go out and get a model airplane kit, typically a, a Gillows free flight kit. Like a little power. balsa kit? Like okay. a little balsa kit. And then uh, at the end of the class, we have project day. It's kind of a little bit like the uh, AIAA build and fly contest, okay. where there's the goal of, of duration and distance, and you have to stand behind a line and we, we launch at the same time and see who's the so one that stays up the longest, that kind of thing for duration. And then they have to build Whatever they want to build and design from that kit, they can change it however they want to change Great. it. And then uh, the, tell me in a report after their flight experience why they changed certain things, what they would have done differently next time. If they had a next time to do it, what would they change next? And specifically, why did they make the choices they made based on the lessons they've learned in class? That's a, so I, there's a couple questions on a follow-up. Mm -hmm. For one, how big is your class? 100, 100 students. So you're yeah, at 110 uh, students 30 of these, these. All I want is this master's. It's great. It's fun. I'm it's sure fun. some make it this far. Some some, make some, it. There's a little bit of combat going on and unintentional, <laughs> sure. but it's fun. It's fun. And then they're repairing as quickly I as possible. I bet they're having fun. They are having fun, but it's a little stressful because it's part of their grade. So, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they got to, you know, yeah. And, and Gillows, you know, a lot of those kits are semi-scale. Yeah. And some of those are not necessarily the best. It yeah. Just, you know, I'm working on the Spirit of St. Louis and and you just learn sometimes scale free flight can right. be a little rough. Right. So right. I, that's part of the challenge, I guess, right? It is part of the challenge. And so at the class, I've, I've worked with Bill Pritchett uh, very fortunately okay. to get the uh, FPG-9 foam gliders. These are foam Perfect. plate gliders to get them started on how do you, what's control, what's pitch, what's roll, right. what's draw, how do I build that kind of model, just to get used to test flying a, a free flight model and getting it balanced. Okay. So they don't do that with their nicely built Gillis right. and have it crash. Right. Um, and then also getting some of the AMA darts, uh, Delta That's darts sent ones. out. Yeah. Another rubber band power, first time of doing this. A lot of these students have never done anything with modeling before, so it's all brand new. Don't know how to do tissue paper, don't know how to do glue. It's all, it's all, it's all brand it's new. It's all new. And right. then, so that's the first part, and then it's go get a kit and go build it. And I try to stress them not to, not to get one of the incredibly complex scale kits. Sometimes <laughs> sure. they come back with that. Sometimes they perform actually really well. Right. But uh, usually it's the ones that they've modified in some other particular way to do the task. That's, that's, so they're working on trim and duration, so getting trim, it out there. Really, really big wingspan. They've increased oh, the wingspan, and that's, that's fine. So yeah. San Diego State University, you've had some yeah. notable aerospace people yeah. from school. Uh, right? Yeah, quite a few, actually. Uh, there's people with the local, so San Diego, of course, has a local connection to, to drones. 
uh, right. through Northrop Grumman okay. and General Atomics that are very headquartered in so San Diego. So they feed a lot of So a lot of the San Diego State uh, students go from this department right to uh, those, those uh, companies. And some people like Doug Fronius, for instance, is a graduate from San Diego State. Uh, he's worked on Global Hawk and uh, other, other uh, drones for, for Northrop Grumman. Nice. Uh, also a sailplane pilot, uh, um, full-size sailplane pilot, and enjoys vintage sailplanes, restoring vintage sailplanes from World War II oh, and great. getting into fly again. Great guy. Nice. Um, um, uh, Robert Cardenas, Bob Cardenas. Uh, he was the pilot of the B-29 that launched Chuck Yeager on his oh, uh, record-breaking first the, yeah. uh, uh, speed of sound uh, flight. He was a San Diego State grad and uh, then went into the service uh, and nice. got, got through the service through World War II and then did that after the war. So that's exciting. So lots, of, lots of things. In, there's history involved in that, in that, in that group. Right. But it's, it's, it's more important because I, I also teach about the history of aviation as a part of the class. Okay. And I also stress that people like Bert Rutan and Paul McCready yes. and all these people started out as modelers and then went into aerospace. And so that, that history of, of aeromodeling, is, I drive that home all the time. By bringing the models in and then having them actively do that, so you're going to start your career in aeromodeling through this class. <laughs> you're going to get into it, and if you don't get into it, that's cool too. I'm fine if you, don't, if you realize it's not for you. That's great, but if it is for you, then this is you're going to figure that out quick. And that that's what's exciting is knowing that models are being used to breed our next generation right. of aerospace engineers and right. rocket scientists right. and right. and going on to great new things. Right. So, right. Uh, what, what you talked a little bit about the AMA and working with Bill Pritchett in our department yeah. to. Um, to, to use us as a tool. What other resources are you using? If there are other educators yeah, out there who might want to Absolutely, so Bill's Bill starting up this MASC program, uh, the Model Aviation Student Club, yes. I think it's called, uh, for colleges mainly, but for other schools too, right. to have them have AMA clubs, chartered clubs on campus. And that's really very valuable. Yeah. I'm getting one set up now at San Diego State, uh, hopefully for next fall, so that these 100 Great. students can be flying underneath that club. And nice. all become AMA and they members, get the hopefully. club perks with they that. They get the club yep. insurance with that. Yep. And then the university's pleased that they're flying under their own insurance program. And if they're flying on campus, then that's good for the campus to know. But, right. Um, it teaches them the safety code, which is obviously very important. Yes. Uh, so I think those kind of programs that AMA is instilling now are going to help drive the same kind of model across right. the country in different uh, schools. I know, for instance, Stanford has already got a, a, a course through Juan Alonso. He's a professor at Stanford. Very Good. great, uh, great educator in in uh, drone technology with students at Stanford, graduate and undergraduate students, and they're forming a, an MASC club up there. So I hope that that's going to uh, expand in its uh, use, and that uh, there'll be more of these kind of classes uh, in the future. Excellent, yeah. excellent. So, you know, it's 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 also interesting to hear about other not only at the collegiate level, but high schools are, are starting to take right. advantage of this as well. Right. And so we're starting clubs in high schools and colleges, and so it's always very exciting to hear these stories. Um, One other thing I'd add, uh, just quickly, yes. is that I think it's important for the local clubs in the area to be connected to those programs. Haven't, haven't solved that yet, but, <laughs> but getting those, those kids, once they graduate from San Diego State, for instance, right. and then say they stay in San Diego and work for General Atomics, it'd be great for them to join the local AMA club that continues their passion for AMA. And nice. so making the connections locally to each of those MASC clubs, I think is something that we need to still work on and can be done. And then bringing them into the class and saying, here's a representative from the local model club to talk to you about their club today and have them talk and say what they do on the weekends. That's just more exposure to these students that don't know that these things exist. Exactly, yeah. and, and yeah. That, that tickles a little bit what I wanted to get towards mm. was, uh, you know, there are a lot of hobby, hobbyists out there 
and a lot of them are educators. So right. what other tips can you instill or provide? Yeah, get involved well, local clubs. Yeah, I think still just getting involved with AMA headquarters and talking to Bill and yourself right. and saying, you know, how can I be more active? Right. Uh, I, I think uh, my father not only instilled the passion of modeling in me, but also the passion of giving back uh, to the community to make the community grow. And uh, Dad was an, uh, an AMA fellow. Uh, I'm an AMA fellow yes. for doing that sort of service back to the community. So the one thing I'd say is, as an educator, if you can get connected to the AMA and then give back to the community and have that community help you at the same time, that's a win-win. Those are the kind of things that we should be helping to do. Interesting part about your history is uh, it's a big part of your history. It's Torrey Pines. Yep. And that's where you... You've... That's where I started. Exactly. Yeah, that's my playground. So tell me about Torrey Pines. Yeah. I was, so to me, it really was my playground. It's kind of like an outdoor wind tunnel to try right. new things as a kid. And I, try, I tried so much stuff, new designs, new, new changes to things. That's one of the reasons why when I'm teaching a class, I get the students to do that, because that's what I experienced as growing up. I would just go out there and tinker with stuff and sure. try it out and see if it would be any better and change the balance. And every flight was a different learning experiment. Right. Because it's easy to just throw it off the cliff with enough wind and, uh, and keep it aloft, no motor necessary, land whenever you want, change something and try it again. You described, and that was fun. you described it once as a reverse waterfall, right? <laughs> a reverse waterfall. The wind hits the cliff there. It's about a 300-foot cliff. Uh, usually in the afternoon in San Diego, there's a good 10-knot breeze every, almost every day, and it's 360 days of sun. And it goes up the cliff, and you can fly as long as the wind's going. It's great. Wow. That's just a great place. Yeah. So you, you, that's the interesting thing. Here in the Midwest, yeah. your, your gas are battery-powered, right. and when right. the battery's done, that's you're, you're done. You're done. Right. Here, you can fly for hours. Pretty much. Right. Yeah. In fact, the first, the first world record for over an eight-hour flight was set at Torrey Pines in 1956. Wow. Uh, rudder, bang, bang, control only. Wow. Which is, that's a, that, wow, eight hours doing that's a long time. But yeah, that's Good fun. Fun, fun stuff. Yeah, yeah, fun stuff. Well, yeah. Torrey Pines has a rich history. Right. Uh, you, you wrote a book uh, that tickled uh, on that topic. Yeah. Um, and, and of course, Charles Lindbergh. He was the Tell first. us a little bit so about So Charles Lindbergh was the first. He came to San Diego after his crossing the Atlantic. Uh, the superintendent of construction on the Spirit of St. Louis was a guy named Holly Bolas. Okay. Bolas went on to become a very big name in soaring history, man soaring history. Um, in 1930, Bolas was setting dur duration records in San Diego with his sailplanes. These were 60-foot wingspan sailplanes, very large sailplanes, very lightweight. Um, some of the first American built and designed sailplanes. And Lindbergh read about that in the New York, in the New York Times, said, I know Holly Bolas, and that's the coolest thing ever. I'm going to come out to San Diego to learn how to do gliding. And in, in early 1930, he and his wife Anne came to San Diego, learned how to fly and, and soar in sailplanes. In one of those flights, he was launched off a nearby mountain in San Diego, recognized that the cliffs in Torrey Pines might have some lift, so he went over that direction, flew along the cliffs the entire length, and landed on the beach for a western regional distance record. But that's the first use of the lift nice. by a sailplane uh, nice. was Charles Lindbergh. That's kind of cool. Right, yeah. yeah. So yeah. there's a lot of history there. And also for RC. I mean, we've got, again, back to the 1950s. Um, and throughout the 1970s, the, one of the most popular places to, for the growth of the RC soaring, soaring sport was Torrey Pines in Southern California. Uh, being next to Kraft Radio and all the other uh, radio equipment was local, and it was just a great place to try new things. So a lot of designs were flown and test flown there. Oh, that's a great, uh, yeah. I, I never thought of that. Yeah. That makes sense. Even, even uh, Mark Smith, who's a very well-known RC soaring enthusiast from the 1970s, uh, designed and built foam uh, model seagulls, radio control, that were used in the filming of Jonathan Livingston's seagull at Torrey Pines. Because wow. the directors couldn't get the seagulls to do the aerobatics that they wanted to do, so 
uh, getting them to do it with radio control was the only option. So, <laughs> and he yeah, took advantage fine. of the, the reverse waterfall. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. That, that great absolutely. lift. Just come by and do another roll. Okay, beautiful. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, yeah. and, and we at the AMA, we, we recognize that, that there's a lot of history there. And you were instrumental with your father and, and Rich right. Hansen in making this an AMA right. landmark. Right. The first one in the country. Right. 2003. Tell us a yeah, little bit about so what that process yeah, is and why, the went, background. Went back before that. So 1991. 19, okay. 1989. Um, part of the glider port, the glider port's divided into two property owners. Uh, one is the city of San Diego and the other is the University of California. Okay. And the University of California owns the, the rear portion of the, of the glider port. It's the site that's used by the manned aircraft to launch their manned sailplanes off with a winch. Both, it's kind of like left field and right field are owned by different people and you still want to play baseball. Little, little challenging sometimes. Um, in 1989, the long-range plan for the university portion said they were going to build a big building on that. And my dad and I said, it's just not going to happen. We, you know, I can't, we can't right. rest. We've got to fight that. Right. So we went to the city, and the city said, well, it's not our, not our land, so we can't do anything. We went to the National Soaring Museum in Elmira, New York, and said, you have a program of recognizing soaring landmarks. These are historic locations for soaring. Clearly, Torrey Pines is a historic location. Let's get a plaque up there that says at least there's a community of people that thinks this is important to save. Right. And that'll start the process. And they agreed. So in 1991, we put a nice big plaque up that said this is recognized for all forms of soaring flight. Model gliders, hang gliders, paragliders, and manned sailplanes. They all share this resource, hopefully for future generations to enjoy. We then went to the city. The city, state, city uh, Historical Resources Board said, yes, we agree, but we can only designate the city portion as being historic. It's kind of like Yankee Stadium's historic, right. but we only own right field, so <laughs> only corner. right field is historic. You know, okay, great. It's not good enough. So we went to the state and got it recognized as a state historic landmark. Great. Against the universities, um, they, were, they fought us all the way. They didn't want that one. So then on top of that, we went to the national level and got it on the National Register of Historic Places at the federal level. So the whole site is nationally historic. Um, then beyond that, we felt it was really important to preserve model airplanes at that site and, and recognize that that has been a cultural icon for RC soaring for years, yes. uh, going again 60 years now. Um, so in 2003, I wrote to Rich Hansen, who was district vice president at the time. I've known him for a long time. Uh, he and I have been through a lot of, uh, a lot of battles together with FAA on the, on the work group committee recently, and uh, it's, been a, it's been a good ride with Rich. Um, but I said, Rich, here's this program that, that the National Soaring Museum has. AMA should have a similar program to recognize landmarks that are involved with model aviation, not just soaring, but anything that's historic before we lose these sites, uh, either by having this as a good political right. arm or just because of development, you lose a site and it wasn't ever really recognized by the community. So in 2003, uh, Joyce Hager came out, uh, the executive committee agreed. We set up a new program for landmarks for AMA. Joyce came out to dedicate the first plaque at Torrey Pines. It's still, it's still there. Uh, and the RC enthusiasts are, are, are very pleased that you know, AMA did that. And that started the program. I know there's other sites that have been recognized. Yes. Um, and I hope that there's more sites that continue to be added to that. I think the museum, the National Model Aviation Museum, has a program. And if you go on yes. the website, you can find more information about how to sign up for that. Um, but it could be places that are historic, like Torrey Pines, or it could be a, even a business or other location that might have been important in the past. Right. Yeah, and uh, those places need to be marked as such. Well, yeah. last uh, very recently we um, went to Triple Tree yeah. and Joe Nall. That, that yeah. they yeah. we we honored that on them. Right. And, uh, it, it's it's great. You, you touched on quite a few points. One, 
let's recognize the, those historic, historically significant flying sites. Mm. I mean, there's, we, need to, we need to preserve that history right. and tell that story. Right. Uh, the other thing that you, you tickled on, and it's not for everyone, but it's a great way to, um, to show that this is significant. Right. And with the AMA, flying sites are so important to us. I mean, you, you need the real estate you to need fly. need the real estate. And it's always good to show, to validate to the Absol community. Absolutely. This Absol is significant. Absolutely. And it's, it tells the community, local community, that there's a larger community of 170,000 modelers yes. that thinks this is important. Yes. And that is what is needed to keep preserving these sites. So as part of a preservation or flight assistance program, yes. I think that this program is, can be very valuable. It could be valuable outside of that. Right. But of course, um, it's, it's an important part of that process. So uh, if there's a club out there with a flying site that has some historical significance. Right. In touch with the museum. Right, absolutely. You want to recognize that. Absolutely. Like Triple Tree. Right. And, uh, or or if, um, if, you're, if you're having an issue with encroachment or if you have a flying site that, hey, you know, this is great. Right. We'll be here in 10 years. We'll start that legwork of right. validating. Ha has to have some historical value. Though. Yes, it can't exactly. Be, it can't be like the neighborhood park that just, we just started hey, we've been here for 50 years, years so it's important. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Not right, necessarily. Right. So it has to have some value. Yes. Um, uh, places where the gnats were held previously, those yes. would be of the level. The museum, I'm sure, has a, a, a panel that would review those, yes. those kind of proposals yes. to make sure that they really are. But, well, we appreciate um, you spearheading yeah. that. Yeah, and that's, that's, an, that's another good. exciting part of the AMA and, and preserving those flying sites and keeping yeah. history alive. Well, thank you, Chad, and thank you, Dr. Fogel, uh, for a fantastic interview. And uh, I just, I thought that was amazing. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. And uh, of course, I want to thank all of you guys for listening this week to the AMA podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, we'd love it if you do so. We're on all the major podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. And anywhere you get your podcasts. And of course, you can listen right from your browser as well at modelaircraft.org slash podcast. We release brand new episodes every single Monday, so make sure you are subscribed so you don't miss a single one. And if you listen through Apple Podcasts, we'd love it if you leave a comment there and rate us. That'll help us move up and possibly be featured on their charts. And uh, that'll help us spread the word about model aviation to as many folks as possible. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for the show, drop us an email at podcast at modelaircraft.org. Those come right into my email inbox. I love getting those comments and suggestions. They're great stuff. And, hey, again, don't forget to submit your questions for next week's 50th episode. Uh, questions for Matt in that subject line. I'm looking forward to getting those questions to answer them next week. And, of course, if you're not already a member of the AMA, head over to modelaircraft.org. See what the AMA can do for you. We'd love to see you out here at one of our flying fields very, very soon. And if you're already a member of the AMA, thank you so much for your support. And with that, for everybody here at the AMA, thank you so much for listening. We hope you'll be back right here next week on the AMA Podcast.